Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, a Penguin Random House publication that came out last summer. Um, I also write for a bunch of magazines and websites and um, most of all humanitarian organizations that are working to make mothers' lives better around the world. So, what's going on, folks? Oh, God, so much, right? These last couple of weeks have been kind of brutal for America. Not kind of, they've been brutal. So much senseless gun violence, so many ongoing conflicts between citizens and police, and above all else, the desperate imperative to make black lives matter. There's so many dark, disturbing stories um, in the news right now, but there are also stories like the uh, story of Shatamia Taylor, who's 37 and a mother of four. She was one of the people shot in Dallas last week by a sniper. Um, and once she knew that she had a bullet in her leg, she threw her body over her son's to keep him from being shot. Moments later, Dallas police officers threw their bodies on top of hers and her son's to protect them from getting another bullet. Ms. Taylor then went on to TV, went on TV to talk about how much she appreciated what the white officers did to protect her and her son. And she's now a leader in a global conversation about race, motherhood, and humanity that we've needed to have for quite some time. We've been talking about this for my entire life and long before that. But these acts of violence, these shootings are happening so often now that this conversation is coming up more often, more widely, more people are talking about it. And they're talking about it much, much louder than ever before. And thank effing God. We need to be talking about these critical issues. We need to be talking about them, even if we don't know how, even if we think we're going to get it wrong and we're going to use the wrong terms, we still need to be talking. We need to be educating each other. Um, we all have a perspective to share that is part of the collective story and I believe the collective solutions to what's going on. And mamas, we need to be speaking the loudest. We are the global leaders for how things will go from here. Fathers, you are the global leaders for how your children will learn that men act in the world. Let's talk to each other about this. I am going to ask all of you to take action this week, direct action. I want you to reach out to the other parents in your communities and have these conversations. Ask your questions, air your concerns, and then strategize solutions. Don't judge one another. We all have a perspective and we all have a contribution to make. If we value each other for that, maybe we'll make some steps in the right direction. I had one of these conversations with my friend Jacqueline Sabanda back on podcast number 28 titled Raising Boys in America. Go give it a listen, share it with your friends, and talk about it. I'm a big believer that the solution to all our problems comes from a platform of communication, 
deep respect, and most of all, love for one another. And parents, we've got the market on that, don't we? During dark times like these, I think it's also critical that we talk about the people who are doing remarkable, life-changing work in the world. The heroes and sheroes, misfits and pioneers, and entrepreneurs and crazy people who are experimenting, building, and growing opportunities for other people. The only way to drive out darkness is to switch on the light, right? So let's do that today, shall we? Today's guest is Jane Chen. She's a young woman who I first became aware of because her publicist sent out a blast email that called her a Beyonce-backed baby entrepreneur. Who could resist that lead, huh? Frankly, I think Beyonce is among the most important and influential women on earth right now. She's the feminist icon of her generation, kind of like Gloria Steinem and Meryl Streep are to mine. She's a powerful symbol um, of motherhood, too. And this week, she's been the voice we all need to hear and listen to about race and violence and that Black Lives Matter. Um, I think that... I, I do think she's one of the most powerful mothers that we see right now. And the way she lives her life really inspires and motivates countless women um, on how to achieve their greatest potential. So back to this week's guest. We get to talk to a woman who is doing just that. Co-founder of Embrace Innovations, Jane Chen. Hello. Hi, Jane. It's Jeannie Faulkner. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm really well. I am having a really good day, actually. It's just little bits of good news are dropping into my day, my day. so far. Oh, morning great. Long. I know. I love when <laughs> I have little it. days like that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. So, Jane, where are you in the United States? Um, I'm in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Are you in the city itself? Yes. Lucky, lucky. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful city. I feel very lucky to live here. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy that you are on the podcast with us today. I feel like there's just so much rich stuff here for us to talk about. And I want to start out by um, reading your bio, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions. Does that sound good? Sure. Yeah, okay. that sounds great. Okay. Um, Jane Chen is a TED Fellow and the co-founder of Embrace Innovations, a company that aims to bring health tech to the world's most vulnerable populations. Last year, her company launched Little Lotus Baby, a line of baby items that keep infants at an ideal body temperature. Little Lotus Baby has a life-saving social mission and aims to be the Tom's Shoes of baby, baby products. In 2008, Jane and a group of her Stanford classmates were challenged to design a baby incubator that cost less than 1% of a traditional design. Their class project turned into the Embrace Infant Warmer, which to date has helped over 200,000 preterm infants in developing countries. That invention led to the creation of Embrace Innovations, a company devoted to bringing health tech to the world's most vulnerable populations. Um, oh, it looks like we've got a little bit of repeat in the bio here, but now that I've read that, Jane, I want you to tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, 
So as you said um, in that summary, I started Embrace about eight years ago. Um, I was a graduate school student at Stanford at the time doing my MBA, and I um, took a class at the design school that totally changed my life. Um, it's a class that brings together engineers and business school students and students of different disciplines um, to develop low-cost technologies for people living on less than a dollar a day. So the challenge posed to us in the class was to build a baby incubator that costs 1% of what a traditional incubator costs, uh, which in the U.S. is $20,000. Um, and that led my team and I to do a, a lot of research on, on, this, on this topic. So the first thing we discovered was the magnitude of the problem. About 15 million preterm babies are born every year around the world, and 3 million babies die within the first 28 days of their life, which is about six babies every minute. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest problems they face is staying warm, and that's the primary function of an incubator. Um, but incubators are expensive. They require a constant supply of electricity, and they're difficult to operate, so you don't see them in, in rural areas. Um, we then started doing research on the ground in places like India, which is home to 40% of all the world's premature babies. And there, I would meet um, dozens of women who had lost their children. So the very first woman I met was from a village in South India. She gave birth to her baby two months prematurely and took her baby to a village doctor who said, you need to take this baby to a city hospital to be placed in an incubator. But that hospital was over four hours away, and she did not have the money to get there. Um, and so her baby died. And I've heard dozens of similar stories um, since then. And I think what this really showed to us was what was needed was not just a solution that could work in a hospital, in a big city, but something that could work in a village setting that would be easy enough for a mother or a midwife or you know, very basically trained healthcare worker to use. Um, and that ultimately led to the design of the Embrace Incubator, which um, looks like a little sleeping bag for a baby. The core technology is what's called a phase change material. It's a pouch of a wax-like substance that melts at human body temperature at 98 degrees. Um, you can melt it either with an electric heater or with a boiling water heater. And then once it melts, it stays at the exact same temperature for eight hours at a stretch. Um, and this little pouch can be reheated thousands of times. So once you have that pouch melted, you just place it into a little pocket in the back of a sleeping bag, and it creates a warm microenvironment for the infant. And um, the, the sleeping bag, it's really beautifully designed. It's a beautiful product. It really is. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we put a lot of care and detail into it. In fact, the whole team, including myself, moved to India after we graduated from Stanford, and I lived there for the next four years getting this off the ground. Mm-hmm. So we um, really co-created it and iterated with feedback from um, local mothers, midwives, doctors, nurses, uh, you know, everyone who was going to be using the product. So that's kind of, you know, the product in a nutshell. Um, it's now eight years later, and we have helped an estimated um, 200,000 babies across 15 countries. Mm-hmm. What I love about the design is that I love that it doesn't look clinical, though it's providing a direct, um, you know, traditionally medical service of stabilizing baby's body temperature and yet the baby looks like a baby that is embraced you know and like a healthy baby it looks great it's just an image that I really appreciate yeah exactly and we wanted to create something that was um, you know very it looked simple to use would be intuitive to use that mothers 
could have right next to them. So the baby doesn't need to be isolated in an incubator, but instead can be right next to the mother's side. Right. Uh, So those are definitely some of the the big advantages of the product. Yeah, that issue of separation. I mean, that's that's what we see here a lot in the United States is that the mother is in her postpartum suite and the baby is in the incubator, you know, two floors down in the hospital. And then when you're mm-hmm. in a developing country, we're talking about, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of miles of distance sometimes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to wrap a fragile, vulnerable little baby up in something that's freaking adorable and keep them cozy and alive, <laughs> that's, you are brilliant. Jane, you're brilliant. Oh, thank, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing your work in the world. It's pretty. Thank you. Pretty, I'm um, really excited about it. I bet. I bet. So tell me a little bit um, about you and about what your life is like and what your, you know, what's your story aside from the innovations that you're creating? Sure. So um, I, previous to doing Embrace, I was, uh, I started out my career in management consulting Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you know, all of that changed one day when I read an article in the New York Times about the AIDS epidemic in China. Mm-hmm. Basically, millions of farmers had contracted HIV through selling their blood. Uh, but the way the blood was co- collected was very unsanitary. And as a result of that, uh, millions of uh, farmers uh, contracted AIDS um, in these very poor villages in central China. And so there's something about reading this story that really... Um, change the course of my life. Um, I was horrified at what was happening. I really wanted to do something to help. And a light bulb in my head kind of went off. And I kind of realized that we are amongst the luckiest people in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we could have just as easily been born into a different life and, and suffered this horrible consequence or fate as a result of that. Um, and I, I decided in that moment that I wanted to use the opportunities I'd been given to help people who were less fortunate. So I quit my job. I joined a startup nonprofit that was helping the orphans um, in these areas with us been left behind by the epidemic. Um, and over the course of the next few years, we helped thousands of students obtain uh, an education. We sponsored their educational fees. But more importantly, the government stepped up and began to write free education to all of the children in these afflicted areas, as well as free drugs. Um, uh, antiretroviral medication to the HIV-positive um, patients in these areas. So it was really um, just quite remarkable because I saw that with a very small, dedicated team, we were able to uh, affect social change in a really big way. That's such and a I good decided, feeling, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I love it's amazing. That feeling. <laughs> Yeah, and I think oftentimes we look at these like huge world issues, you know, poverty, hunger, the water crisis, and you just don't know how you're going to make a drop in the bucket. Right. But I think this experience is so significant to me because it shows that you you can make a change, and mm-hmm. it's really about you know pres- perseverance and tenacity and having the passion to do it. And often um, it is the small changes. It isn't the huge, huge things. It's the small ones right. that make exactly. a huge difference for a lot of people. And, yeah, and the small yeah. ones lead to the big ones. I am really fortunate that I get to talk to a lot of women and men who are doing similar work. And it always starts with a moment of realization or an aha moment. There was something mm-hmm. that they saw or read or heard or felt or witnessed that just sparked them. And then mm-hmm. there was an opportunity. And the next and that opportunity came right after they 
were be uh, they became aware and mm-hmm. and almost invariably they're very small things and then boom they're huge <laughs> it's great yeah 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 definitely yeah so that's kind of you know what happened and i decided i would i wanted to spend my life really um creating social change and and continuing along this path so later i i ended up uh, Went to Harvard to the public policy school there, and over that summer, I worked with the Clinton Foundation in Tanzania, also doing HIV/AIDS work. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I started at Stanford. And when I when I got to Stanford, I knew I wanted to pursue something that would allow me to combine my interests of um, uh, work in in creating social change and also entrepreneurship, and and also something healthcare related. So I was really excited when I found out about this particular course and just jumped at the opportunity to work on this project. And really, that's what Embrace is for the, the whole founding team. It's not just about this one product, but how do we um, create a platform by which to um, do further innovations to prevent infant mortality? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what's led us to what we're doing currently and the, and the newest thing for Embrace. So we've reached 200,000 babies and the goal has always been how do we reach a million babies and hit that tipping point where the product will be accessible to every baby who needs it. Um, and so to help us with that, in December, we launched a new line of products called Little Lotus. They're a line of uh, baby products for the U.S. market, and they're for healthy babies. Um, but it's basically swaddles, sleeping bags, and blankets that use a technology akin to our incubators. Um, so the fabric of these products is uh, contains microns of wax, similar to our incubators, which absorb or release heat to always keep your baby at an ideal skin temperature. Um, and what we found through that, interestingly, is that babies are sleeping a lot better as a result because there are less um, fluctuations with temperature throughout the night. So we've gotten report after report from parents telling us that their babies are sleeping significantly longer and uninterrupted. Man, um, that's money in the bank right there. <laughs> <laughs> you do something yeah. for parents and their sleep, you've got money in the bank. It's exactly. A, and not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a really thoughtful line of products on a lot of different levels. It's I, I looked at it on your website and, and the products are are beautiful and they're inclusive and they're clever and a real brilliant example of technology at work in day to day lives. Plus I love I love a good one for one model. Tell us about it. Yeah, so the what's for one model, um, in that for every product sold we help to save a life in a developing country with the original product, with the great baby warmer. And that was really the impetus for getting this off the ground. So our hope is that through this process, we, um, you know, we can create a global community of moms helping other moms, mm-hmm. um, first of all. And secondly, that, as I said, we, that, that we can reach a million babies and then get this product to every baby who needs it. That's your first goal. Million babies is your first goal, mm-hmm. and yes. then you're going to set another goal, and it's going to be something even bigger, like yes, we hope so. <laughs> like, you know, eradicating the conditions that lead to yes. so many premature births. Yes, yeah, exactly. And elevating the lives of the women who are, you know, not only having the premature babies, but then, you know, suffering. The losses that they experience, mm-hmm. you're going to hit exactly. that. You're going to hit that target too. You are a super young woman. You're like, <laughs> like what, thirty something? Yeah, early thirties. I'm, I'm thirty-seven. You're thirty-seven, 
And you've done this much already? This is pretty impressive. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, it's not just me. It's we have this amazing team behind Embrace that includes, you know, my co-founding team. Uh, it includes all the people who worked with us in India over the years that were there. And now with Little Lotus, we have uh, are building an amazing team in the U.S., mm-hmm. including, you know, Mike Kai Chan is our VP of operations. And we have some other uh, great people coming on board. But it's just really kind of people who are passionate and believe in the mission and are willing to um you know, move the needle on this issue. I think that's really what's led to the success of this organization. Well, I think we're it's we're seeing a wave of, you know, social entrepreneurship, socially conscious business people who are, you know, really making betterment of society their goal. And it's inspiring and I imagine it's also incredibly rewarding on just about every level. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we are definitely seeing this trend. And I think part of it, and what I'm excited about, is the fact that um, it's consumers who are demanding more socially conscious products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are getting it. They're definitely exactly. getting it. And I think that's why Tom's Shoes has been so successful, because people care about that one-for-one model, right? I think that has been the, the driving force behind that. It's not... Um, the product necessarily, especially in the early days before it became trendy, was more around that model of giving. And so I think they were the first, and a lot of people criticized them, but they were the first to prove that that kind of model can work really well. And so a number of other companies have followed suit, and we're hoping we can be that for the baby space, especially because I think um, moms in particular, you know, so when I, when I moved back to the U.S. from India, so many of my friends were having babies at the time. And in talking to them, I heard this really beautiful sentiment, which was, you know, they would often say to me, when when I became a mother, I felt an instant camaraderie with every other mother in the world. Mm -hmm. And if I saw a baby in need, I would do anything to help that child, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think there is this this very common um, sentiment of of wanting to help, especially when you have your own child. So... Um, that's something we, we want to be able to capture that love and compassion and, and use that to help save babies everywhere. Yeah. You walk through the door where all the other mothers are and you didn't even know that room existed before. It's right. A, yeah. Exactly. It's a pretty powerful moment that most women go through. Right. Yeah. You know, something that I was, I was thinking about a couple of things as you were talking. And one is that you are in a real magic spot to have found an outlet for creative expression and a really, really rewarding and powerful career at a very young age, and then just going for it. And I think that that stands as a huge example to other people that, you know, maybe are the target audience who are buying a Tom's shoe or a Little Lotus product because they can't necessarily see their way forward to the big, big thing, but they can buy some baby swaddle, uh, you know, Mm. products, or they can buy a shoe and they know that they're Mm -hmm. taking a step in that direction. But then Mm -hmm. they can hear about you and your story and the people that are working with and for you and maybe see a little bit bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I think it's important. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest values that women like yourself and social entrepreneur projects like your own are providing for society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, thank you. It's been really inspiring. Like I think when, especially coming from Silicon Valley, I think oftentimes we see all these entrepreneurs that are doing, you know, these amazing things. And when you're kind of in that environment and you see other people doing it that you can relate to, you have more confidence to do it yourself. And so um, it always excites me if it can be kind of, uh, you know, inspiration for, for others to, to do something similar and to, to uh, make their own strides with regards to creating social change. Um, that that really is exciting for me. So I was looking at the, um, I don't know, I called it the Team Stanford photo, the picture of you and your design team at Standard, and you're the only woman. Mm-hmm. And yes, what's the gender ra- gender ratio in this type of you know, industry, engineering, design, technology? What is it like? Uh, that's a really good question. So in the engineering space, it definitely skews more towards men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think working in India as well, it, it was we had a largely male um, staff, which is really interesting because now in, in the U.S., all the, the people that work with us are, are largely women. And I do think it's really important to have a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think um, one of the things that I realized was when I first started uh, as the CEO of the, of the company, you know, you you can like often read these stories of what CEOs are supposed to be like, and the depictions of CEOs are often very male oriented, and mm-hmm. so I kind of had this image of my mind of what I should be, mm-hmm. and it took me a while to kind of find my own rhythm and style, and and ultimately what I realized is that um, authenticity is is really the best leadership. People can tell when a leader is being authentic, and so just really about kind of finding uh, a path and a style that's true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, which is part of that prime example that I was talking about. You know, we're we're beginning to see a world where leadership comes in a lot of different forms. And mm-hmm. thank God for that, because now we can mm-hmm. accept the idea of mm-hmm. you know, women as leaders, as, you know, all of the images that we had before, that's not necessarily the way it is. I love that. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like right now, we're seeing a lot of young women who are committing their careers to, you know, to betterment and for other mm-hmm. women and families. I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of it. And maybe it's just the, you know, the, the world I walk in, the work I do. But you're seeing it too, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. So many people. And uh, I think I read an article in the New York Times, I, I don't know, maybe a year ago, talking about before when people graduated from college, everyone wanted to be like a banker or a consultant, and now everyone wants to be a social entrepreneur. And that's yeah. kind of like the new trend and the new hot thing. And so um, I think it's really encouraging that uh, on, the, on one end, you have people who want to make a career out of um, creating positive change in the world. And then on the other side, you have consumers who are demanding more uh and have socially conscious and ethically sourced products. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I think all of that is really good news for those of us who hope to make the world a better place. Yeah, I, I think it's really remarkable. And um, I, I kind of use it as a, a reason to be optimistic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, what else to do? Oh, I want to ask you, you know, I always like to bring it back to you know, kind of a maternal health perspective. And I think that a couple questions I want to ask you is, what role do mothers play in your life, in your business model, in your coworkers' lives? Um, well, I mean, our model is really about serving moms, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they play a huge role in it. And, but what the products we 
create is not really, it's all co-created with moms. And so uh, we are very, very careful about that. But I think good design starts by understanding who you're designing the product for and what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really take that very seriously and, and try to do lots of brainstorming and, and testing um, with moms, whether those are moms in India or moms in the U.S. with our new product. Um, uh, they're really core to this. And I think, you know, it's funny because oftentimes when I do talk, I talk about what I mentioned earlier in terms of moms wanting to help other moms and this beautiful sentiment um, when someone does become a mother. And oftentimes people say to me, well, aren't you discriminating um, against fathers? But I do genuinely think that a, a mom has a different relationship with her mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's not to say that a father doesn't have a, an amazing relationship with their child as well, but I think moms do have this like very unique bond. And I think women are also tend to be more compassionate mm-hmm. individuals. Um, and, and, and so with that, that's why I often talk about how do we create this global community of women and of moms helping uh, moms. Yeah. So, I get that question um, a lot too, you know, in the, in yeah. the, yeah, yeah, in the things that I write and the things that I record about where people will say, why aren't you talking more about guys? Why aren't you talking more about men and, and how they're struggling? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. A, it's probably a flip remark, but I often just answer it with, yeah, they're fine. And what is that, and what is that phrase? I'm probably going to get it wrong, but a rising tide raise, elevates all boats. Isn't mm, it's something yeah, like yeah. that? A rising tide raises all boats, and mm-hmm. if we're rising the tide for all women, the men in the boats are going to be fine too. They're only going to benefit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah, totally. yeah. You know, another thing that occurred to me: I was talking with um, Roger Thoreau, who is the author of um, a, a few books about hunger specifically in the developing world but his most recent book is um the first thousand days and it's Mm. all about um the importance of nutrition and um eradicating stunting um and what that will do to advance entire generations potential and Mm. you know that there's some of that that's going to happen with products like your own. When you save a, a mm. child and they don't have that level of developmental delay that comes with prematurity because they survived mm-hmm. well, yeah. then that family, that community is going to be better for it. And when you're talking mm-hmm. about millions of children that potentially are going to have a better chance of reaching their potential, we're talking about world-changing stuff. And then I think again about, think about what the world would be like if we did not have entire generations of grieving mothers, you know? I mean, what if, Mm -hmm. what if? It's just the, it's the ripple effect. Yeah. What will the world be like when mothers aren't routinely grieving lost children? Mm. It's going to be better It's going to be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, your, the press release I received about you said, Beyonce backed baby entrepreneur. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, <laughs> well, what that means is um, in 2014, 
uh, we were really fortunate to receive a donation from Beyonce that enabled our product to get into 14 countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and the way that came about, yeah, it was really exciting. The way it came about is actually quite interesting. So I had given a TED Talk in 2013, at the end of 2013, and uh, the the chief marketing officer and the now CEO of Gucci North America were in the audience. Um, and they had done this trip with UNICEF to, I think it was Malawi, and had seen firsthand the lack of incubators and the babies that were dying as a result. Mm-hmm. So they said to me, I really want to, they approached me after my talk, they said, we really want to support your work and let's keep in touch and figure out a way for Gucci to, to kind of participate in your work. So over the next few months, we did keep in touch, and in, in uh, I think six months later, they had an event in New York, and they said, can you come to the event? We're going to give the proceeds from sales from our stores that day to Embrace. Um, so I said yes, of course, and on my way to New York, literally on the plane, I get an email saying, um, we have a surprise donor who's coming to the event, and um, they're going to hand you a six-figure check for your for your work. Wow. So I arrive in yeah, so I arrive in New York and that surprise donor was Beyonce, who is one of the founders of this um initiative Gucci is, uh, has uh put on called Time for Change. It's a initiative that supports causes for women and girls all around the world. Um but it was just amazing that, you know, Beyonce showed up and she And you didn't know her. No. You'd never met her. You didn't know she was gonna no. be there. Mm-mm. You're just no, walking. No, no, no. You're walking to your yeah. thing, dressed in your yeah. best, knowing that something uh-huh. good's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, there she is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you stutter? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was so shocked. I had no <laughs> idea she was going to be there. She was just so wonderful and really gracious, and um, obviously that support has been amazing on a number of different fronts. But we, uh, you know, in the meanwhile, had been in conversation with. Um, folks at another nonprofit called the Millennium Promise that they, mm-hmm. they do work all across the here in Africa. Mm-hmm. So through that generous support, we were able to get our infant warmers to um, all of their sites in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and then the other great thing that happened was UPS came in and they really helped us because getting the product to these countries is half the battle yeah. and the shipping costs and the logistics and everything else. So they had just an amazing team that really helped put that together. So this is like one of those uh, magical, I think, experiences where people from all different walks of life pitched in to make it a reality. Yeah. Um, and UPS then is great that way. I yes, just, you know, I, wonderful. early, early on in my, you know, ex- in my time of working in the development field, I remember um, just the simple phrase of, if you can get a Coca-Cola to any village in sub-Saharan Africa, you can get the medications you need. And I think yeah. it was UPS that said that. And then you realize, yeah. Logistics are tricky, but there are entire huge multi-billion dollar corporations that have nailed it, and they're coming to the mm-hmm. rescue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really amazing that they came forth like that, and uh, 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 I forgot the one thing I was going to say about that. But anyway, so in the end, oh, right, so in the fall of that year, I went to Rwanda to set up my first the first project in Rwanda, mm-hmm. and it was just wonderful to see that, um, and it was amazing to, because they, I, I was able to you know, witness the first baby in that country being placed mm. in, in our product, and mm. just, you know, the, the, the mother cradling mm. this, this little child, this little premature baby, and, and she just had this look on her face of, 
um, you know, knowing that everything was going to be okay. Did you it cry? It was really amazing. Did you cry? Um, I was very emotional. I don't know if that guy took a lot of pictures. It was amazing. It was, I, it's such a special experience. I'll always remember that. I could cry a little bit right now just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah, it was great. really awesome. Yeah. Do you still feel that that kind of special emotionality when you see it happen again and again and again? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, it's still, you know, one of my favorite stories that I tell, I've told this story a thousand times at least, um, but a few years back, we had started um, our first project in China with an Mm -hmm. orphanage there, Mm -hmm. um, and the day after we delivered our product, they discovered a two-pound baby that had been abandoned on a street corner Mm. um, in central China. So they took the baby in, kept him in our product, in the embrace warmer, for Mm. about 30 days. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to visit seven months later and met this little boy. It was Mm. the first time a a child of that size, a baby of that size, had ever survived in the orphanage. Wow. Um, And you did that. You did that. Yeah, it was amazing. No, it was amazing. It was great. It was so special. I got to play with him and hold him in my arms and, you know, just brought it brought it all to life and made it everything so worthwhile. Uh, but it, the story gets better. So okay. a few months after that, he um, was adopted by a family in Chicago. Hmm. And Nathan now lives in Chicago with his new family. He's four years old, hmm. and he's kind of like a living testament to our work because so often it's hard to keep track of these babies and families, yeah. but um, with Nathan, I just got a note from his mom the other day, and we're in constant communication, and we get to see him grow up, and, mm. uh, uh, you know, again, and it's just, I think it's a, a reminder for all of us that embrace as, as to um, why this work is so special. You do one good thing, and the ripple spreads throughout the world. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, let's see. I just want to ask you a couple of other questions. Um, where do you most want to travel for work, for play, for education, for research? Where do you want to go? Um, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I've become an avid surfer over the last year and a half. And surfer? So, uh, a lot of my, yes. So wow. my, uh, a lot of my travel of late has been, personal travel has been for surfing. Uh-huh. So that's a huge passion of mine. So I'd love to go to Indonesia and uh, surf. Wow. Ah. Uh, yeah, I want to go too. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I grew yeah, I up in Southern California in Redondo oh, Beach. Wow. And I uh-huh. learned I learned early on that I had no skill for surfing. And I didn't, <laughs> it was scary to me. But I learned how to body surf. And I was really oh, good at fun. that. And I was, I've been hooked on the ocean for life oh yeah mm. it's amazing and the thing is like for me with surfing every time I go into the water I learn a new lesson about life and something I can relate to through entrepreneurship you know it's such a challenging sport and half the time I'm falling off my board and mm-hmm. having to find the courage to kind of get back out there you know and paddle back out and and face the next wave mm-hmm. um and so a lot of um I actually write a blog about the intersection of surfing and entrepreneurship. What's it called? It's, kind of the, it's called Hanging Zen. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's a public blog, so check it out. But it's um, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful way for me to reflect on the, the lessons I've learned over my journey with Embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, and surfing kind of reinforces some of those lessons, but through a totally different medium. Do you, are you a meditator? Yes, I'm uh, a big meditator. Yeah, me too. 
all the best folks are, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I find that meditators can find the Zen in just about any activity. For me, it's knitting. Yeah. 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 Totally. Oh yeah. There's <laughs> there's so much, so many of life mysteries are there in the knitting needles. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. So what else do you want people to know about you and your work? Um, I think that's it. I think you've done a really good job of, of covering it. So I think, um, again, you know, we're really excited about the launch of our newest product and the ability to reach many more babies with Embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where my efforts are concentrated on right mm-hmm. now. So, um, Great. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, my final question that I ask everybody um, is where are you in your life in terms of motherhood? And you can answer that any way you want. <laughs> and it doesn't mean about your own personal motherhood or your mother or whether or not you're going to have children. Just where are you? Mm. Um, well, I don't have kids yet. I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been really occupied with helping other babies. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like to have uh, my own at some point. And um, I think I... Doing it a little later in life, I think, gives you a different perspective, especially going, having gone through the various experiences that I've gone through, creating mm-hmm. Embrace. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that because I think Embrace has really been my baby. Um, and it's something I feel like I've uh, incubated with my heart and soul over sure. all these years. And mm-hmm. so um, I look forward to kind of the next step in my life as I transition to doing that um, on a personal level. I had, um, I've had. Um, other women who don't have children say that they are in their pre-motherhood years. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I kind of do too. It's a neat concept. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I've, and I think I've had another, I've spoken to another woman recently who is certain she won't, she doesn't want to have children. And mm. when I asked her where she was in terms, you know, of, um, you know, her life is it, with motherhood. She said, I'm coming to terms with it, that that is not my role. Hmm. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, Jim, yeah. you and I have talked for a good long time, and I really, really appreciate the work you're doing and your insights and your coming on to talk to our listeners about it. There's just all kinds of ways yeah. to be fabulous in the world, right? Yes. No, thank you. appreciate you taking the time to ask about our work and um, I hope your listeners uh, get something out of it. Absolutely and I'll be including you know all the website information uh, at the end of this podcast so everybody can log on to the website learn more about the products buy some really adorable baby clothes and <laughs> help you know create a ripple. Oh good. Awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Alright. Well, we will talk again. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Today's guest was Jane Chen. You can learn more about her and her work at embraceglobal.org and littlelotusbaby.com. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios in Portland, Oregon. You can email me at jean at jeanfaulkner.com to ask questions, to talk about sponsoring this podcast, and to make suggestions on how to keep this conversation going. Um, 
You can go on over to genefaulkner.com to make a donation if you want to be part of supporting this podcast. And please go buy my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, for everyone you know who's pregnant, thinking about pregnancy, or knows someone who's pregnant. And let's talk again next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Someone will look at me like I'm looking.